you know we can study this morning about uh, what is church what the bible speaks about uh, church uh, many of us have different ideas about what the church looks like and what the church is all about um we've studied this a few times earlier at different times um probably sometimes in bits bits and pieces as well um very often we've touched on these things but uh, this morning we're going to Uh, look at uh, what the church is all about and uh, what the bible says about who we are as church and by the way the moment we say church our understanding is all about a sunday service and a church building um but let's look at what the bible uh, talks about as church before we go into that uh, we need to understand that the commission that jesus gave to his disciples which applies for all of us as well as to go forth and make disciples of all nations um baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and the way the early apostles did was to go and uh, disciple people and plant and multiply uh, small groups of people who accepted jesus uh, that was a community of christ that was the family of god and that is called as the church um and so the great commission itself the way that was fulfilled uh in the first century was by the planting and multiplying of churches everywhere and that's why you find in all through the new testament letters were written to different churches um most of the new testament are specifically um you know written to a particular church a church at rome church at thessalonica church at colosse church at philippi likewise uh, we see a letters written to these different churches and uh, why they were written was to basically establish the people of god who had come to faith in christ in the teachings of christ and so the apostle paul or peter or john uh, every one of them who wrote james all of them were writing to establish the people of god in the teachings of the word of god now that they had come to christ that they need to know how to live their life in christ and so this is the whole um uh, in a way the great commission was fulfilled when we talk about the great commission this found in matthew's gospel chapter uh, 28 and verses 19 and 20 we also find the same thing with uh, the same account of that in the other gospel writings as well matthew 28 19 and 20 is a most well known um a passage that many of us uh, would know and remember it says uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to observe uh, everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age that's the great commission that is what we have been commissioned to do that is a task that god has given for all of us to do whatever be our profession whatever be our background uh, whatever be uh, the vocation that we are involved in the lord wants us to go forth and make disciples of all nations a disciple is simply a learner um, a student someone who is following the master and uh, so this is the way we find in the first century that the first time hearers of the great commission went about fulfilling that great commission 
they didn't just make individual disciples and people to follow christ and leave them alone but they gathered together uh, all of those people into small communities of christ which is called as a church and we're going to see how the idea of the church and making disciples and uh, making disciples and forming communities of christ is christ's plan uh, in this world we're going to see how this is one one thing that god is doing which he's been doing for all time in history now before we go into looking at what is church that's the primary study that we're going to go through this morning but uh, before we go into exactly looking at what is church and how this is biblically um, you know put down and learning it from scriptures we're going to first see who is a christian let's first define that uh, before we go into what is church because uh, the understanding is uh, church is a collection of christians people who follow christ and by christian we don't mean someone who's born in a christian family necessarily but those who begin to follow jesus who's a christian the 21st century this understanding a christian is one who's called by a christian name he uh, by virtue of birth he's born in a christian family or he's member of a church he follows christian culture he sings these christian songs and he has a certain way of life and a culture um and a christian in the 21st century the understanding is he's expected to live by uh some good values some good virtues people expect oh you're a christian and you're telling a lie well that should not be uh that's the expectation of the world uh, so that's the way in the 21st century people look at who a christian uh is and a christian is one who celebrates christian festivals good friday easter uh, christmas and all of these uh, festivals they hang a star and by the way we are uh, very close to getting to christmas season and this is the understanding the moment you see a star hanging in a house you know oh that must be a christian house or they got a sticker outside um the door that says uh, you know um, christ is the head of this house uh, by the way that's not uh, in the bible um you know the unseen guest make jesus be the seen visible guest not an unseen guest in the house uh, if someone has a wall hanging like that then it's understood that must be a christian house or they got a verse behind the bible that say behind the car uh, that says uh, you know i will go before you you know uh, so that must be a christian that's how people identify who a christian is in the 21st century look at what how people were identified as christians in the 1st century a christian in the 1st century was someone who's a disciple of jesus christ someone who followed jesus when we talk about being a disciple of christ we're not talking about how uh, there are many disciples followers for many gurujis and uh, godmen in this world where uh, he's someone who's a devotee who renounces the world goes and sits up in a cave on a mountain top um, or you know uh, without clothes you know that, that's not the kind of devotee disciple that we're talking about it's talking about someone who's as normal as you and i <laughs> Uh, who works in a school or a college who is studying as a student who's uh, who lives in a real world <laughs> a real life like, like regular people everybody um, but who's a one who's a disciple of Jesus let's turn to acts of the apostles and chapter number 11 and verse 26 acts 11:26 met with the church and taught great numbers of people the disciples were called christians first at antioch the disciples were called christians first at antioch who were called christians not those like the ones we see in the 21st century scenario if you look at that list uh, you know 
they were not identified as christians because they were born in a christian family or because their name said peter james john matthew or uh, you know um, give me some women names mary and uh, ruth and esther yeah it is not because of their names um but this could be a nagalakshmi and uh, you know mohammed ibrahim could also be a disciple of jesus amen hallelujah so the disciples those who and so now who is a disciple a disciple is one who's a follower of jesus we find that in matthew chapter 28 was 1920 we just read that it says go and make disciples of all nations how to make disciples of all nations uh, how do they did they do that by first proclaiming the gospel and uh, baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and then teaching them to obey everything that jesus has commanded and so a disciple is one who has understood the good news of the gospel that i am a sinner i need a savior and jesus is a savior who saves me from sin and eternal destruction and so one who has believed you know and then is baptized makes a covenant with christ in the waters of baptism um and has renounced this world systems and the world culture and um no longer belongs to the world community but belongs to the community of god's people that is the significance of baptism and then uh, the one who is a learner who's learning the teachings of scriptures and obeying them putting them into practice um living this new way of life that's who a disciple is and so the first century we find that uh, the disciples were called christians first at antioch and so this person is committed to follow jesus Uh, not just to take a name uh, you know because you know not to just to change a name by the way no one needs to change the name or culture or their um, eating habits or anything like that it's all about following jesus and his teachings and uh, living this life as the lord expects us to live and being part of this community of god's people the body of christ we need to recognize that i no longer belong to this world community the sinful community but i belong to the people of god the holy set apart people of god which is the church the body of christ and uh, the one who is also making disciples the one who is being discipled and also making disciples is a disciple of jesus that's the call that is given to everyone who follows jesus to be disciple makers now let's uh, the same we look at church uh, contrasted with the 21st century the idea of a church in the 21st century is a church the moment you say church that's a church building you're referring to a building a uh, church the idea of a church for most christians is a sunday morning service um which has uh, music where you give money offering and where there's a massage you know nice message which feels like a massage um which is very motivating and where there's a lot of media activity happening uh, 21st century modern church looks like this um and for all of us who come and attend a church service we are like spectators like clients receiving some service customer care you know the business world talks about that and that's the very exact representation of that replication of that um in the ch- context of a church where there's a pastor who comes and uh, prays for me he takes care of my needs you know when i have to get married he marries me when i have to do, be buried he buries me when i uh, you know bring forth the child he dedicates the child and so for all good and bad things when i buy a house he comes dedicates the house when i uh, join a new job or when i have a birthday he calls me up that morning and prays over me um 
you know for all good and bad things i need a pastor and so i received service from the church so one fellow who, uh, you know his father was uh, admitted in the hospital he was sick um quite bad uh, in an icu in a hospital and so he called me and said uh, i think you should get some people from the church to come and pray for my father be there 24/7 and pray so that he will get well because he has paid subscription all through uh, the several years even though he didn't come to church he paid subscription so at least for that you should send some people and get them uh, to be praying for my father in the icu so that's the idea of the 21st century person who attends church i need to get some service uh for some others it's all about an organization a church is another organization like many ngos or non-profit organizations this is another entity um and well uh, you know the structures are not good the money is not managed well there's too much of infighting the elections and uh, the groupisms and so people are always talking about the organizational chaos that happened in any organization the same way that's the way people look at a church but in the 21 in the first century it was simply a community of god's people who were set apart for god disciples of christ gathering together they were gathered together we gathered together disciples of jesus on a sunday morning but we are scattered we are the church scattered in the world making a difference in the world we are still a community of god's people it was one family of god because they were even selling their properties and giving to one another when they had need Uh, it was simply a family of several families put together uh, that's truly the biblical idea of church they were learning the word of god living it out and uh, teaching others the teachings of christ that's uh, who uh, that's what the church is all about and that's what the church is called to do when i'm talking about church don't think of oh that's pastor david's church you know it's not somebody's church we are the church it's not the building we may have a building we may not even have a building we may have a own place we may have a rented place uh, we may meet under a tree we may read, meet by the river side Th- that's how they uh, gathered together as church in the first century but it is still the church which was the people of god uh, learning living in um, teaching the teachings of christ and they were functioning people they were not uh, just attendees they were not just members uh, they were not just um um people who are warming the pews which happens in many churches they were functioning people they were living out good lives building good homes doing good works using their gifts and talents and proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who did not hear the gospel this is what we do as a church together it's not a monument it's a it's a movement it's an organic movement a church is something that is living that is alive any living organism is constantly growing right amen and so we are alive we as the church of jesus is alive we are people not just physically alive but we are spiritually alive in vibrant community of god's people who are in a dynamic relationship with the lord jesus and who are in a relationship with one another growing together helping one another nurturing one another in this growth experience and growing uh, to become christ like and fulfilling the mission of christ and so this is an organic movement but unfortunately many churches have become monuments the moment we begin to say come look at our building <laughs> it has become a monument but the church is a organic movement and so why should we study about church because church is uh, 
and by the way church is not just one among the ministries uh, of the several kinds of ministries that you find in the christian christian world today but church is the one thing that jesus is building in every one of us whatever be the kind of ministry or activity christian involvement that we have we ought to be building the community of god's people and that's because one thing that jesus is building is his church for one thing that he's going to come back for is also his church his bride his body the community of god's people and so we're going to study uh, what the scripture says about the church firstly we're going to look at the what we call as a meta narrative or the or the one long story of the bible and as we go through the one long story of the bible is the bible is not just a story of redemption it's not just a story of salvation it's a story of the redeemed people of god and how they ought to live their lives before this watching world is what um the scripture talks about right from the beginning till the end it's the story of the people of god who have been redeemed and that's why the scripture also ta- records stories of flawed men uh, you find a david you find a samson uh, you find in the church at corinth a man who was living with his father's wife uh, you find the horrible stories also the bible is simply honest to record the stories of the redeemed and how um god picked up even those flawed men and used them for his purpose and gave them instructions as to how they ought to live their lives and so as we go through this one long story of the bible the meta narrative the unfolding of you find the unfolding of god's master plan through the ages and by understanding what is god's master plan through the ages from the beginning you understand what is church the secondly we're going to look at the mystery that was once hidden but now has been revealed uh, to through apostle paul to the churches how church is central to god's plan for this age for this world you find that very clearly played out uh, written down by the apostle paul and thirdly we're going to see the model um you know that is presented there in acts of the apostles as to how the first century disciples fulfill the great commission i already talked about that how they went about uh, you know planting and multiplying churches which is christ's plan for every one of us and there's a pattern that you see how the early disciples um, you know did what christ wanted them to do and there's a model that there's a pattern which we call as a pauline cycle in the new testament the one thing that he repeatedly did again and again in the cyclic order and that's what you find there we're going to look at one by one break them down let's unpack them number one we're going to look at the meta narrative the unfolding of god's master plan through the ages which is setting about a people of god for himself this is god's plan through the ages now we see from the beginning that god is setting about a people for himself for all eternity this is the one big plan of god god created adam and eve man fell into sin and uh, and men lived in sin and god gave them instructions as to how they ought to live and instituted the order of sacrifice so that man will recognize that for every sin of his there is a price that needs to be paid and jesus comes to save mankind from the sin and the consequences of their sin and so god called men from the beginning different people to be his own and so because man had fallen into sin and sin had come and separated man from god God continued to pursue man and set apart people for himself 
from the beginning he called noah he called abraham he called isaac he called jacob he called moses he made uh, the people of israel into a nation and he set apart a people to show that this is what christ is all about god is setting about a people for himself for all eternity and he gave them principles and guidelines to live by as his people how they ought to live in this world and not to be living up the sinful life how they ought not to be living by the cultures of the people around them and so he gave them instructions that's the law that he gave and then he sent the prophets to enforce the law to teach the law um and so god is setting about a people for himself for all eternity and he gave them guidelines and instructions to live by principles to live by so that they can assist him in setting apart more people until his second coming so that all the kingdoms of the world will be handed over to him as a kingdom of christ and of his god this is what you see from genesis to revelation that god is setting apart a people for himself this is god's plan through the ages and that's the one long story of the bible and if you read through the scriptures with this um in mind that this is the one long story and god is setting about a people for himself it gets easier to understand every book of the bible and not to see each passage of scripture or each um book of the bible uh, you know separately from uh, the other passages or other books but it's one long story that's unfolding and so uh, let's unpack that a l- even more god called abraham and gives him a promise makes a covenant with him and he says i will make you into a great nation read with me in genesis chapter 12 and let's read verses 1 to 3 very often we have we quote the scripture very frequently we pray using that we 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 use that as a promise as we speak it over as a blessing for others um but this is the promise that god gave to abraham he said i will make you into a great nation i will bless you i will make your name great and you will be my ble- you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you i will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and so god calls a man man has fallen into sin but god is setting about a people for himself and this is what he's all about and so he is calling a man and he says i'm going to bless you i'm going to make you into a nation all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you the moment we talk about the word blessing or use the word blessing or re- read the word blessing we assume um, a meaning as uh, something like a blessing of a financial blessing a material blessing uh, or good um, you know profession and a good family a happy joyful life as a blessing of course they are blessings but the very uh, idea of this blessing here is talking about how god is going to use the nation of israel uh, to bring forth salvation to the whole world that through you the nations are going to be blessed they're going to know the messiah they're not going to know the savior they're going to know the way of salvation they're going to know the way of eternal life through abraham and the people of god the people of israel And so while God called Abraham then uh, you know there was no king over him it was God himself who was king it was a time of theocracy uh, God makes a covenant with Abraham um, and set apart Abraham as his own by asking him to circumcise physical circumcision of all male children born in his household and the nation of Israel was circumcised it was a sign of being set apart for God holy a people of God 
and then as uh, you know he gave him a son Isaac of son of promise and then came Jacob his uh, second son from whom were 12 sons uh, you know born and uh, the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel they began to multiply and that was God's plan that he would set apart a people for himself he made a people for himself and he gave them uh, human leaders each of the tribes had you know leadership that god had given who were teaching the word of god um and he made then makes a covenant with moses he calls a man as they were in the bondage in egypt he calls a man moses from among them and uh, he tells them this look at genesis chapter 19 and let's read verses 1 to 6 genesis chapter 19 read verses 1 to 6 in the third month after the israelites left egypt on the very day they came to the desert of sinai after they set out from rephidim they entered the desert of sinai the israel and israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain then moses went up to god and the lord called to him from the mountain and said this is what you are to say to the house of jacob and what you are to tell the people of israel you yourselves have seen what i did to egypt and how i carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself that is in verse number 4 exodus 19:4 are you there with me if you there with me say amen amen three of them amen you yourselves have seen what i did to egypt and how i carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself and that's what god is all about now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant the instructions that he gave them then out of all nations you will be my treasured possessions possession although the whole world earth is mine you will be for me what a kingdom of priests you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words you are to speak to the israelites so god is speaking to moses and telling moses that you will be for me who is he referring to you it's not just the individual moses he's talking about the whole nation of israel he's telling moses moses this is what you ought to tell the people of israel you are going to be a kingdom of priests a holy nation you will be my treasured possession amen so god was setting apart a people for himself and they will be a kingdom of priests they will be a kingdom a kingdom is one which has a king and a king rules over his kingdom kingdom a king has subjects he rules over and so here god himself is king and we are his kingdom the people of israel are his kingdom it's not just an earthly kingdom that he is uh, inaugurating he is uh, you know growing but this is his kingdom in other words it's a spiritual kingdom but by choosing a people for himself he is uh, Uh, ruling and reigning over their hearts and their lives and this is a kingdom that he is establishing right in the beginning but they will not just be an earthly kingdom but they will be a kingdom of priests of course there is one tribe among the 12 tribes of israel which is set apart to be uh, to do the work of priesthood and that was the tribe of levi the the levites were set apart people of god to uh, do sacrifices and to uh, you know pray on behalf of the people of god and to speak the word of god to the people and lead them in the ways of god that was a, a tribe that was set apart for the other 11 tribes 
but the whole nation of israel as all the 12 tribes put together they are going to be a kingdom of priests in other words a priest what does a priest do a priest actually stands between god and man that's the role of a priest a priest offers sacrifices to god on behalf of people he stands before god on behalf of people and comes to people on behalf of god he brings the word of god to them he brings the instructions of god to them he teaches them he corrects them he exhorts them he guides them he a priest is someone who serves the people of god on behalf of god he brings god's word to the people so a a priest is one who stands between God and men. That's the role that Israel was given to be a kingdom of priests for all the nations of the world. That they will be a set apart people for God who will stand between God and the rest of the nations of the world. That the nations of the world will know who the God of creation is through them. So right in the beginning, God set apart a people made a covenant with them and called them to be a kingdom of priests, set them apart. And he made the, a covenant with them and he said, you will be a kingdom of priests for me and a holy nation. They will not follow the cultures of the people of the world around them. They will not be involved in idolatry. They will not be involved in you know, sins of the world. But they will be holy unto God as God himself is holy. Right? Are you with me this morning? Are we able to get the, the story beginning right from the beginning? God is calling Abraham. God is calling the people of Israel. Setting them apart to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But what happens along the way is that Israel rejects God as king. In fact, if you read in Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. The, even though the law was given and the people were exhorted to live by it. And teach them to their children and to their children's children. When they stand up and they sit down. When they walk, they ought to be teaching the word of God and passing on the faith to the next generation. But they failed in doing that. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 10 we read, After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Another generation comes up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. But what he had done for Israel, he had revealed himself to their father Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He had revealed himself to Moses. He delivered them from the land of um, you know, slavery, Egypt and did miraculous, you know, sent plagues and destroyed the land of Egypt and showed that he was their God. And they were his people. He demonstrated why did he bring down those plagues. He was just showing to the nations around that he is God. And brought them out. And why did he take them through um, you know, the Red Sea and parting the Red Sea. And bring down the walls of Jericho. And stopping the river Jordan. And why did he do all of these miracles. He brought manna from heaven and quails. And all of this he was just showing the people of Israel. That he is their God. And they are his people. And the nations were hearing about him. And that's why Rahab the prostitute, when she hid the spies, the reason why she hid the spies who came to spy the land, she said, I know your God. He has done amazing, marvelous things. He's mighty God. And so would you, you know, protect me when destruction comes upon this land? Even a, a pagan uh, who lived in Jericho, a prostitute who lives a, lived a sinful life, believed and knew who this God of Israel was. And that has been God's original plan. 
that he would reveal himself to the nations through the nation of Israel. But there came a generation, Judges 2.10 talks about that, among the people of Israel who are set apart, who are holy, who ought to be those people who are teaching the word of God to their children and their children's children and passing on the faith intergenerationally. But these people did not do that. They went away in, you know, backsliding and following the cultures of the people around them. They went away into idolatry. When Moses had gone up the Mount of Sinai, what, what did the people do? They gathered, you know, a group of people and Aaron made a calf, a golden calf with all the jewelry of the people and uh, they began to, you know, sing and dance and celebrate, drink and eat and, um, you know, they were involved in revelry. And uh, they began to follow the cultures of the nations around them. But God was always coming back to them and saying, come to me. But these people were rejecting God as king. They did not, you know, acknowledge him. In the period of the judges, you find in chapter 2 verse 10, that there came a generation that, didn't, that grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And, and so as a result of that, as a consequence of that, you see what happens. The last verse of Judges, it says in chapter 21 verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Israel had no king. Everyone did as he thought fit in his own eyes. Each one went his own way. They did not follow the law of God. Nobody was teaching them. And so each one went his way. They rejected God as king. They rejected his word. They were actually the set-apart people of God. And then he raised, and they, they asked for a king. If you come down to 1 Samuel, you will find that the people of Israel are asking for a king. Just like the nations around them. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill yes. your horn with oil. So, you know, uh, uh, before we even go into chapter 16, we find that actually uh, the people of Israel are asking for a king. I think it's in chapter 8, verse number 6. 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse number 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, they dis displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people that are, uh, all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, verse 7. But they have rejected me as their king. Are you with me in 1 Samuel chapter 8, read verses 6 and 7. When they asked for, for a king, now, until this time, God himself was their king. <laughs> he raised up men of God, prophets of God to lead them. He, he raised up judges to judge the people of Israel, to teach them instructions of the word of God and so that they will live by it. But now, they look at the other nations of the world and they're saying, we also want a king like other nations. And Samuel was really grieved in his heart. Prophet Samuel, he said, what is this these people are doing? Why are they asking for a king when God is our king? And God is saying, do what they are asking. They're not rejecting, uh, they're not just asking for a king, they're not rejecting you, but they are rejecting me as their king. 
and then Saul is anointed as king. But Saul fails God. He disobeys God. And so God is raising up another man called David. That is the passage we read in chapter 16 verse 1. That God was raising David, a man after his own heart, who would follow him sincerely. How long will you mourn for Israel? And says in chapter 16 verse 1. Fill your oil, a horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Because Saul disobeyed God. God is raising up another man, David. And he makes a covenant with him. He makes, gives a promise to him. You find that in 2 Samuel. You see, God is constantly making a covenant with people, with Abraham. Beginning even with Noah, with Abraham. And after setting apart Abraham and the calling the people of Israel to be a separated, set apart people for himself, a holy nation, he makes a covenant with Moses. Then he's making a covenant with David also in chapter 7 and verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That's a covenant that God is making with Abraham. What he is saying here is your throne, your kingdom will endure forever. He's not referring just to the earthly kingdom of the kingdom of Israel, the geopolitical kingdom. Of course, uh, he's referring to that as well, but he's referring to something even beyond. He's talking about a kingdom that is going to endure forever where he's talking about this spiritual kingdom, the people of Israel, and if David will be faithful to follow the Lord, what will happen? He will never you know, fail to have a king from his generation sit on the throne, and ultimately the, the fulfillment is going to be when Jesus himself is going to be born in the lineage of David as the king of kings and the lord of lords. You know, later on, he's going to be born in that generation, and then he will be their king again. And all the kingdoms of the earth will follow him. That this kingdom of Israel, the people of God, the set apart people of God and the descendants of David will continue on for generations. And his, through them, through this earthly kingdom, the geopolitical kingdom will come forth a spiritual kingdom. That is what he's referring to. Your house, your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Ever. And that's why Jesus is called as the son of David. Amen. Son of David. Because God had made a promise to David that your kingdom will endure. And Jesus is born in that lineage. And so this is God's plan through the ages. And so Jesus is now. Um, so as you see that God is setting about a people. But very often the people of Israel failed. And every time the people of Israel failed. He was constantly sending prophets. But they killed the prophets of the Lord. They killed the prophets. The prophets, what was the one central message that the prophets were speaking? They were calling people back to God. To be holy and a set apart people for God. That is what you see through the prophets. And so in the unfolding of history, as history unfolds, you see that in every generation, God is continually setting apart a people for himself, holy unto him. And then Jesus comes announcing the kingdom. The kingdom of God in Mark's gospel chapter 1 and verse 15 because the blood of bulls and goats could not deliver people from sin and so Jesus himself comes and as one and only sacrifice for the sins of the world and the coming of Christ is the inauguration of this kingdom of God in Mark's gospel chapter 1 and verse 15 and this is the message that Jesus preached the time has come he said the kingdom of God is near repent and believe the good news the time has come the time has come. Now this is the fulfillment of that promise that was made to 
david your kingdom will endure forever and so this kingdom is going to endure and for inaugurating that kingdom jesus comes the time has come the kingdom of god is near you know the kingdom of god is not just talking about heaven but it's talking about the kingdom the reign and the rule of god on this earth where god wants to you know set apart all the nations of the world to be his own he's come and the kingdom of god is near he's come to establish that kingdom so repent and believe the good news of the gospel the good news is that there is salvation through christ the good news is that there is forgiveness in the name of jesus the good news is that there is hope of eternal life that's the good news and so he inaugurates the kingdom jesus is death and res- burial and resurrection ascension the work of salvation that he did and the coming of the spirit launches the kingdom and begins with that new covenant and the new order of reality the kingdom that is in the world but yet not of this world he's not establishing a political kingdom that's the misunderstanding that the people of israel had that jesus has come to you know save them from the roman clutches and he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to rule this world that's what they were expecting as they read through the the prophecies in the old testament about the messiah the savior who's going to come but jesus did not come to establish a political kingdom he is the god of all the earth he does not need a political kingdom he came to establish a spiritual kingdom where because man was in sin man was in bondage and he came to deliver man from sick, sin and sickness and curses and from the consequences of the fallenness of man which was eternal damnation in hell and so jesus comes to inaugurate this kingdom and so jesus says uh, the kingdom of god is within you amen he rules and reigns in our hearts and our lives the kingdom of god is within you that's what the kingdom is all about and so anyone who has given their life to jesus anyone who is baptized and has joined this community of god's people has come to become part of his kingdom is within his kingdom and we are all in his kingdom in this world this kingdom is in this world but it's not of this world it's not a political kingdom and that's what you read in john's gospel chapter 18 and let's read verse 36 Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the jews but now my kingdom is from another place amen so he says my kingdom is not of this world we are in this world but we are not of this world amen and so we will always have this struggle we will always have this tension that we are in this world we live in this world community we we are surrounded by the people of the world we are surrounded by the cultures of the world we are surrounded by the sinfulness of this world we are surrounded by those who hate the kingdom of god and so jesus says you know people the world will hate you because of me the world will hate you because of me the very fact that because you are in the kingdom of god you will be hated by the people of this world and so don't be surprised if somebody in your family does not like you because you follow Jesus don't be surprised because when you come into the kingdom of god the people who are outside the kingdom of god will not be able to accept it but you have come into a kingdom where god himself is king over our lives amen hallelujah and so this is the beginning of a new reality 
we are in this world but we are not of this world the kingdom is in this world but not of this world the kingdom is not something which is yet to come the kingdom has already come jesus is coming with the inauguration of the kingdom jesus said the kingdom of god is at hand it it is near the kingdom has come the kingdom is within you and so the church is the grand strategy of the kingdom jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hades will not prevail against it the church is a grand strategy of the kingdom how is jesus building his kingdom by communities of christ by establishing communities of christ everywhere in this world and church is god's idea church is god's strategy for establishing his kingdom how is he penetrating into this world how is he beginning to rule and reign over the hearts and lives of people by establishing by calling setting apart a people for himself and forming them into communities like he did with the people of israel called them the 12 tribes of israel and made them into a nation set apart for himself same way he's setting about people everywhere all over the world by the planting establishing and the multiplication of churches through the apostolic teams those who are pioneering people who, who these are the apostles the apostles went about you know proclaiming the gospel where christ was not preached and they began to call people to follow christ and they established them into small communities an apostle means a sent out one and so god is sending out people into this world to set apart people for himself and they uh, and the local churches god is using them to set apart more people for himself and by that he's establishing his kingdom that is in this world but yet not of the world which is growing right here until jesus comes again amen you find that in first corinthians chapter 15 let's read that first corinthians 15 verses 23 and 24 but each in his own turn christ the first fruits then when he comes those who belong to him then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to god the father after he has destroyed all dominion authority and power amen verse 24 is so clear then the end will come when will the end comes when he hands over the kingdom to god the father after he has destroyed all dominion authority when satan and all his demons will be bound in hell eternally after the day of judgment and when he hands over the kingdoms of this world the set apart people of god as the kingdom of god to god the father then the end will come that's christ's plan that he is ultimately establishing his kingdom in this world so that the kingdom in the, the kingdom of god in this world will be handed over as the kingdom of god for all eternity that we will be set apart for him and so uh, we've been looking at how this has been god's plan through the ages let me also read for you from revelation chapter 21 and read verses um was one all the way to verse number 5 then was four 1 to 4 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband 
and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of god is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away amen so what is he saying there that now there is a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and here is the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven that's the people of god the set apart people of god who are with jesus forever in eternity coming down as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and i heard a loud voice now the dwelling of god is with men so that is god's plan that he would dwell amongst us and so from the beginning he his intention is that he will be their god we will be his people you know i will be your god you will be my people and i will dwell among you that is what you see all through from the beginning that's god's intention and finally now the dwelling of god is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and the and god himself will be with them and be their god but now this new reality has come he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away the old world has passed away and this new reality is the kingdom of god that exists forever and ever that we will be in the presence of god eternally and so christ returns for his church the 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 church is simply a set apart people of god amen which is the one thing which god is doing right from the beginning setting up a man calls a man makes him into a nation and gives them guidelines and instructions for them to live by raises up leaders who will teach them and shepherd them and constantly is sending prophets that they would be always guided to follow the word of god and live by it but they kept rebelling and kept going away and then jesus himself comes to set apart a people for himself and you and from the nation of israel as a jew jesus is born in a jewish family he comes as a savior of the world announcing the kingdom inaugurating this kingdom he is ushering this kingdom where this kingdom is of this you know in this earth in this world but yet not of this world and so he gives them he sets apart 12 people and he teaches them his word and then sends them out to go forth and make more disciples to assist him in setting apart more people for himself for all eternity and so when the first century disciples heard that they ought to go and set apart more people for god they went about establishing communities of christ everywhere discipling people and putting them in a community and raising up leaders who will shepherd them who will continue to teach them the word of god and through them more people will be set apart for god through them hallelujah praise god and jesus said in matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so so that's the one thing that jesus is building and that is his church worldwide all over the world through local churches yes it's one global church one universal church that jesus is building in a way he's setting apart people from every tongue tribe and language but how is he doing that through local churches everywhere and that's why you see you know groups of people you know established everywhere all over this world 
even in nations where the door for the gospel is closed and he's he's establishing a kingdom a people for himself from all nations and through his death and resurrection he's inaugurated this new kingdom and by the setting of his spirit you know he's inaugurated this new kingdom that the spirit of god was not just for the people of israel but for all people anyone who calls upon the name of the lord is will be saved and this spirit is for you for your you know generations and for all whom the lord who will call and the spirit of god is given so that we will be led by his spirit that we'll be empowered to go forth and make more disciples that we will continue to assist him in setting apart more people for himself and forming communities of christ everywhere because that is the one thing that jesus is building amen Hallelujah. And this kingdom as it continues to grow and expand in leaps and bounds. And even though there were people who wanted to annihilate the church of Jesus. Even though there were people who threw the men of God into her. You know arenas filled with hungry lions that devoured them. Or they were burned at the stakes. Or they were kept in solitary confinement. Or even when church buildings were broken. And uh, you know churches were destroyed. And many emperors and kingdoms came against the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus. But the church of Jesus is still alive and well. continues to grow and multiply worldwide because this is God's grand strategy for establishing his kingdom in this world. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so men may come, men may go. Kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall. Kings may rise, kings may fall. But the church of Jesus continues to grow and multiply because Jesus is building his church against which the gates of Hades will not prevail. Hallelujah. And so this is God's grand strategy that he has given. And we're going to learn a little more about how this is God's plan for this age next week. We don't have time now, but understand this is God's plan right through the ages from the beginning. And this kingdom will continue to grow and, 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 and multiply in leaps and bounds. And Jesus is coming back for that kingdom. He comes, he's returning for his church. and that's why it's important that we are part of his church and that we are involved in the building up of his church amen the community of christ the bible says in ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 to 27 that he will present to himself a radiant and a glorious church without spot wrinkle or blemish he's coming back for his church a radiant church a set apart people for god and the bible says also in revelation chapter 11 and we read verses 15 to 18 revelation chapter 11 verses 15 to 18 the seventh angel sounded its trumpet his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he will rule reign forever and ever hallelujah And so John is seeing this vision of the destruction of evil for eternity and how this kingdom of God is going to be established and the victory of his kingdom because the churches were going through this great persecution in that context John is seeing this vision while he himself was banished in the island of Patmos he sees this vision of the the coming things of things that are yet to come and he says the kingdom of God has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever that's our job we are here to turn the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdom of god and of his christ amen hallelujah whether you are in a free nation or whether you in a closed nation 
whether you have the freedom to proclaim the gospel or you don't have the freedom the bible is talking about preach the gospel in season and out of season and this is what jesus is all about this is what god is all about right from the beginning of time through the ages and something which it's important that we are also part of he has commissioned us to be part of it he has called us to be part of it he has anointed us empowered us to be part of it to function in his kingdom the kingdom of the lord the world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and the 24 elders they were seated on thrones before god fell on their faces and worshiped god we give thanks to our god lord god almighty the one who is and who was because he who and because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign the nations were angry and your wrath has come the time has come for judging the dead for rewarding your servants the prophets and your saints and those who reverence your name both small and great and for destroying those who destroy the earth the kingdoms of this world has now become the kingdom of god and of his christ and so here's this new order of reality in place we already read that in revelation chapter 21 Verses 1 to 4, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain, no more mourning, no more death, no more tears. All the old order of things have passed away. All things have become new. And so this is the consummation of the kingdom. We saw the inauguration of the kingdom in Mark 1.15 when Jesus came announcing the kingdom. And this kingdom is now continuing to expand and grow. And we are here to build his kingdom. Jesus is establishing his church and the grand strategy of establishing the kingdom is through the church the people of God the set apart people of God who are going to be involved in assisting him in setting apart more people for himself until Jesus comes again and then this kingdom will be presented to him as the kingdom of God and this then will be the consummation of the kingdom amen the kingdom is in this world and the kingdom will also be after we leave this world this is an eternal kingdom which jesus is has come to establish and so this new order will be in place where this old world this old order of things will all pass away and we will be with jesus forever and ever eternally amen so this is the blessed hope and so now that we know that this is what has been happening through the ages you and i are part of exactly what god has been doing through the ages <laughs> hallelujah oh well you might have come to christ because you had some problem in life you might have known christ because you were born in a christian family that's all right but recognize this morning that is not just as simple as that it's not just so that some problems will get solved that you'll find some peace in life because Jesus is, seems to be little better than many other things that I tried earlier. No, you are here. You've been set apart for God by himself. Hallelujah. Not because just by virtue of birth, not by tradition, not by name, not because you needed someone to help you and comfort you and solve your problems. Very often we've seen God as a problem-solving God. as a god who can just help us who can heal us or for some of us jesus is just someone who just uh, you know is someone like a painkiller you pop in a painkiller and then you can get some sleep through the night and so have some jesus and so you can sleep through the night peacefully but you've been set apart for god forget your problems forget your needs of course they are there 
but you are here for a greater purpose god has set you apart to be his own to be a kingdom of priests to be a holy people for himself to live by his teachings so that we will be able to penetrate into this world with this good news of the gospel so the kingdom of this world will also become the kingdom of god because it is his will that none should perish it is his will that all will be saved and this is his grand strategy through the ages this is what he is doing and you and i are part of it in this 21st century i mean like moses was part of it some some few thousands of years back like david was part of it a few thousand years back like the f- disciples were part of it a couple of thousand years back the same way in this 21st century you and i are a part of this grand plan of god which is unfolding through the ages for which he has given us gifts for which he has given us his anointing for which he has given us his holy spirit for which he has given us his grace so that we will continue to assist him in setting apart more people for himself until jesus comes back until jesus comes back for which he paid the price he gave his own body he shed his own blood that none will be lost that the nations will know that's why he said go and make disciples of all nations all nations so he wants every tongue and every tribe and every nation to come before the throne and that's what we're going to see around the throne that people from every tongue and tribe and nation will stand before his throne one day and what a joy it will be when we will go with a with groups of people with us into his kingdom Amen. That he will reward us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done well. I gave you talents. I gave you gifts. I gave you a call to establish my kingdom. And I was building my church and you were involved in building my church. Would you like to be involved in the one thing that Jesus is building? Amen. If he is setting apart a people from himself, for himself from the beginning of time, I want to be involved in that to set apart a people for himself. Hallelujah. That we will not go to his kingdom empty-handed, but we will take hordes of people. <laughs> Truckloads of people with us into his kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Would you come into your life this morning and say, "Lord, yes, Lord." I understand that this has been your plan through the ages that you are setting apart a people for yourself and I want to be involved in setting apart a people for yourself would you commit yourself to just doing what God is doing in this world and that's why you are here in this world that's why he has given us life that's why he's given us the privilege to see another day so that we will continue to be actively involved in setting apart people for himself hallelujah praise the lord to say that we are set apart for god means that we have renounced all false gods and goddesses that we have forsaken everything that is not god 
to be a set apart people for himself means that we are set apart from the world community that we don't follow the culture of the world we don't follow the evil sinful practices of this world that we do not live by the philosophies of this world not by the concepts of this world but we live by the teachings of god's word that we forsake all false gods and goddesses that we forsake every sinful habit and practice that we forsake anything that is it might be a habit it might be an addiction if there is anything which is which defiles our body if it's drinking it's smoking or drug addiction or anything any immoral activity anything that corrupts us that we forsake and we say lord i am a set apart person holy unto you we renounce all of those things we renounce traditions of men we forsake all of those things the bible says that he who hides his sin will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will find mercy you can for confess your sins this morning also and say lord i'm sorry for not being a set apart person and he is well able to forgive you and cleanse you and sanctify you would you ask the lord this morning and say do you say yes i want to be i am part of this body of christ i am part of this holy people of god i am part of his body set apart for him and if you are saying that take a decision this morning to renounce all false gods and goddesses to say no to them not to bow down to them also not to bow down to any other idol because there is only one god who created mankind and who came to save seek and save that which was lost he died on the cross he rose again no one else died and rose again for us so if you put your faith in him if you believe that jesus is the only true living god would you give your life to him this morning and renounce everything else forever and if you have done that already praise god for that would you ask the lord that i want to continue to be a set apart people for you lord we want to be as a family we want to be a set apart people for you oh god as your people where you are our god we are your people and you will dwell among us oh father we recognize this morning that lord you are building your kingdom and also would you pledge and say yes lord i want to build your kingdom i want to be building what you are building i want to do what you are doing hallelujah praise the lord he is building his kingdom and the strategy of building his kingdom is his church he's setting apart communities of people for himself a community of christ and as we are part of this community of christ would you would you say yes lord i want to be involved in the building of of this community of god's people where you have kept me in this area in this city hallelujah god has many people in this city for himself and he wants us to be involved in building establishing this community of god's people in the ways of god that is what he is calling us to do hallelujah praise you lord praise you lord praise you lord praise you lord 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that you would, Lord, help us to give ourselves wholly unto you, completely to you, Father, so that we would be involved in establishing your kingdom. If there's anyone who says, yes, Lord, I want to be involved in establishing my kingdom. Yes, I have my problems. I have my share of challenges in this world, but that's all right. You will take care of me, but I'm going to be involved in doing your work. You will take care of God's work. God will take care of your work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If this is the one thing that you are doing for all through the ages, I want to be involved in doing what you are doing. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Would you pray a prayer this morning of prayer of commitment? Thank you, Jesus. Even as we come together to participate in the table of the Lord, as we break bread together, this signifies the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for us on the cross of Calvary, the sacrifice that he made for us. And the, the blood signifies, the wine signifies the shed blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us for the remission of our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal savior, and do not bow down to anything else and do not follow any other false gods. And if you do not um, live by the sinful practices of this world but have chosen to follow Jesus and live by his word. And if you recognize that you are in his body, that he is your heavenly father and you are his child. If you have that dynamic relationship with the Lord Jesus, you are in his body. And we welcome you to participate in the table of the Lord. We read, for I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup after he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so let a man examine himself and so let him eat of this bread and drink of that cup. So as we come to the Lord, let's examine ourselves and see if there is anything that we need to turn away from. Let's ask the Lord and turn away from those things that displease God that is not in accordance with his word. Let's have this right relationship with God and relationship with man and come in the presence of God with joy, with thanksgiving, remembering that Jesus died on the cross for me, thanking him with a thankful heart, remembering that his death and sacrifice and resurrection has brought to me eternal life, has brought to me forgiveness of sins and the great hope of eternal life, the blessed hope of eternal life that I am in his kingdom today that even if I leave this world right now, I will be with him eternally in his kingdom. That's the hope we have. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a blessed hope. What a joy. What a joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. That we are not going to be lost forever. But it's a choice that we have to make to follow Jesus.